Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Look, if you've been listening to our content, you're well aware it is U.S. Open time. The main draw starting this Monday, the last Grand Slam of the 2019 season. And we're obviously extremely excited about that qualifying now officially wrapped up. And that is why I am so excited to bring forward today's guest. He is the former number one player in the country at Tulane, where he was an All-American there. A recent qualifier, as I mentioned, winning his third round match against uh, Uchiyama, 6-3, 6-4 yesterday. Yesterday. Dominic Kopfer, welcome to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. So let's start there. You qualified for the U.S. Open, first time there, second major in a row. How are you feeling? Yeah, not too bad. First time I've been playing here in New York, so it's obviously pretty special even playing in qualies and then having good, good run, I guess, like beating three decent players, like two former top 100 players, and then Uchiyama in the last round of qualies is obviously really exciting and looking forward to Monday playing in main draw for the first time here in New York. And I, I know you are uh, born in Germany, but as a college tennis player, did you feel like the crowd was supporting you at the U.S. Open? Uh, there was definitely a lot of people that, that I knew back from Tulane. A couple of guys flew out from New Orleans. A couple of former teammates were here that are working now in the city. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a great environment to play and for you, I, again, obviously, uh, you have this run-up in Aptos before where you make the final there, losing to Stevie. Now you carry that level here. What's going right with your game so far? You know, Why do you continue to have this success right now? I think starting with the grass season, I started to build my confidence up and had a couple good wins. I had a great tournament in Ilkley, beat a lot of good players, I thought. even had, had a good week before that in Nottingham, and then yeah, I just took the momentum and took the confidence into the hardcore season and yeah I guess it carried over and now I'm seeing the result so would you say it, it's more of a mental thing than a physical thing that just the confidence now matches your tennis ability yes I, I, I would think so I mean tennis hasn't gotten that much better over the last month I guess it's just the way I put things together I'm not freaking out on court as much as I used to I just got a little calmer and yeah everything is kind of clicking and coming together you know, this is you. You wouldn't remember this, but your I think senior year when you guys played Dartmouth in NCAA's, I was at that match when I watched uh, you play Dovi Das. I think it was in a third set, and yeah, your tennis was really good then. So like, I can't imagine uh, tennis wise. Uh, you know, you've always had that in you. But how gratifying is it now to you know 2017, 2018, your ranking in that 200 to 300 range. Now you've really made a push towards that top 150, even top 100. How much confidence? does that give you not only going into the U- this U.S. Open but as you wrap up your 2019 season? Yeah, for sure. It was one of my I know it's obviously one of the biggest goals that every tennis player has to be in the top 100 and getting closer and closing into it and yeah, it's 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 been a great year so far. It started off pretty pretty average. The first couple months lost a lot and yeah, I started working I kept working hard and yeah, the results came over the last month and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, obviously the belief starting to build a little more that I can hang with those like bigger players, the guys that are in the top hundred, even in the top fifty. Yeah, and look, you as you mentioned in qualifying, you beat Ryan Harrison one and one. You beat Nico Mahout in three sets uh, in Vancouver. Uh, you, you know, you knock out Cressy. You play a good match with Kokonakis. Your level, ha- you qualify in Los Cabos, so your level clearly at a at a good stage. 
Um, again, just going into this U.S. Open, you now play Jaume Munar, uh, a young guy. I'm not sure. If, I don't think you've ever had the chance to play him. Uh, but what, what are you thinking going into that match? What's your mindset? Yeah, I think uh, draw obviously could have been worse with Roger Federer or Stan Wawrinka or someone like that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everyone in the draw can play tennis. It's pretty, pretty, pretty obvious. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to playing him. And never really seen him play actually. And I know he loves to play on the clay, so it will be a pretty physical match. But I'm yeah, I'm excited. How helpful is it for you going into this first round to have played Wimbledon, gotten that first slam, best of five set format setting under your belt? Do you think that'll give you a, a notch up? Maybe I know you won your first round at Wimbledon. Do you think you're more, even more prepared heading into this one? Yeah, definitely. I think I won't be as nervous as going to Wimbledon. Like <laughs> Having played a major before is definitely help, but I think Munar has been there several times, so... Yeah, it'll, it'll be a good match, I'm sure, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. One of the big things on tennis Twitter uh, that seems to be blowing up, your partnership with Ryan Williams. Does it help at all to have your coach, you know, right on the sideline as you're going through this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been he's been there before. He's played several Grand Slams, so I think. The Aussie Open and even French and US Open, obviously, the main draw. And he's he's had a lot of experience as a player, and he can pass it on to me and help me through these situations which helps absolutely and for you you mentioned you know your hot streak starting back in Ilkley uh, when you won that challenger to get the wild card in but you you know you also make the quarterfinals in Nottingham the week before uh, you beat a bunch of good guys around the way Troy Ski uh, Camille uh, Sebastian Offner all of these guys uh, again, what seems to be working for you right now? Is it, you know, tennis-wise? Because, you know, you're 25 years old. That's right around where people are in their physical prime, where the mental matches the physicality. Just what what about your game right now? What are you most confident in? I think the thing that has changed is I'm not going for too much at the wrong time. I'm starting to build the point a little better and then waiting for my opportunity to go for it and yeah, the serve has gotten much better. I thought I'm more confident in my serve. I get a lot more free points than I used to, and that definitely helps. Absolutely. Are you? Uh, this is a stupid question, but are you looking forward to that? You know, at the very least, U.S. Open first round prize money. I mean, yeah, obviously, it's a great help. Like, <laughs> it takes a little pressure off me, especially. I mean, it was always it was already great in Wimbledon. Like, took a lot of pressure off me for the rest of the year, and then now qualifying here is obviously a great help as well. Absolutely. Being in New York, you mentioned you have former Tulane teammates, people you know around you, but what's that scene like? How does you know the U.S. Open, the Wimbledons as events, compare to the Challenger circuit where you've been grinding for the past you know two years? Mm, I, I, I mean, it's much nicer playing the bigger <laughs> tournaments. Uh, like it's, it's a, it can be a grind playing the Challengers, traveling from East Coast to West Coast, and yeah, not being put up in the best hotels. It's just a completely different level and yeah it's it's definitely more exciting to play in front of a bigger crowd and you know just the the everything that is there for the players at the grand slams and at the atp level so i'm you know hoping to play more of these over the next couple months and years yeah, absolutely, and I want to be conscious of your time. You've got training to do. I will not be the reason your match on Monday with Munar does not go well. But I, I do want to ask for you now that you you know you qualify, you win a round at or you get a wild card, you win a round at Wimbledon, you qualify here at the U.S. Open. Now you're in the first round. 
Will these sorts of results change your scheduling at all moving forward? I noticed you played Atlanta. You played Los Cabos as 250s. Will you change how you address the last portion of your 2019? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely trying to mix in some ATP events and depending on how this week goes and the next couple of months, I'll adjust the schedule and maybe end the season in Europe depending on what, where my ranking's at. But as of now, I'm just yeah focusing on Monday and seeing trying to get the win on Monday and then we go from there. Absolutely. And look, we look forward to watching you play on Monday. I I do have to ask, uh, you know, your background with tennis. Uh, Obviously, people now have seen your jump this last half of the year. But going back, uh, I know you grew up in Germany playing club tennis. you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, growing up, I didn't play a lot of tennis. I was playing twice or three times a week until I was like 15, 16. Then I started to play a little more. Uh, did a lot of different stuff. I was playing a lot of club tennis when I grew up, like all the like under 16s, under 14s, under 12s. It's pretty big in Germany and like all the league stuff, the men's leagues. And yeah, I think that helped a lot. And like just the team spirit. That's why I like college so much. It's just great atmosphere being in college, like being around other teammates and not being by yourself, especially in, in individual sport like tennis is. And then, yeah, after I. With 60, when I was 16, I finaled the German championships kind of out of nowhere. No one really knew me. And yeah, that's when I started to pick up tennis a little more. You mentioned the team atmosphere. What was it about Tulane's atmosphere that drew you in that had you end up going there? Um, well, I wasn't highly recruited going out of juniors. I didn't play any junior ITFs. I think I played one, lost in the first round of quality, so there wasn't great help for me to get recruited by the bigger schools and then I had some connections with my coaches from back home that knew Mark Boris the Tulane head coach and that's kind of how I got started and then he came over to Germany and yeah I agreed to go to Tulane for four years and it was I guess the best choice I could have made. So for someone who wasn't highly recruited and, as you mentioned, just wasn't, you know, so many kids you see who are tennis or kids now, uh, young professionals on the tour have spent, you know, their whole lives playing tennis, traveling to all of the tournaments. You obviously had a different path. You know, would you say that team atmosphere you kind of mentioned at Tulane, that's how you really fell in love with the sport? I guess what I'm asking is, did you have pro aspirations when you went to Tulane or was it you just fell in love with the game even more while? there i mean yeah i always wanted to go pro that like it's a dream growing up when you start playing tennis that's the reason why you want to play and want to get better but it was never very realistic because i wasn't good enough when i was younger and then being able to play college tennis and practicing a lot with the team like having pretty professional environment to practice in and play matches in definitely helped my game and yeah it was i mean i guess everything pretty much went the right way and yeah that's why I'm here right now absolutely and for you I guess you know to, as you mentioned that sort of development uh what was it in college that you know really helped you take the next step with your tennis was it the constant dedication just the team atmosphere why is college tennis in your opinion a, a good pathway for people who want to develop into professionals I think what helped me the most was practicing a lot in the team environment there wasn't a day where I didn't give 100% just because you didn't want to disappoint your teammates and then same with the matches you just you don't play for yourself you play for the team you play for the coaches and your teammates and then 
yeah, playing a lot of matches. You play like I don't know, like twenty-five dual matches in the spring, and then you play fall tournaments where you might play three matches a day, four days straight. So that definitely helped me getting better and improving my game. Yeah, and for you, you know, you were a two-time team captain, back-to-back team MVP award winner your junior and senior year. But that senior year, you also reached the number one uh, number one position in the country. You were ranked the number one singles player from January 5th to April 19th. I believe that was the first time in Tulane history someone had reached number one. You became the fifth multi-time All-American in program history. Just, you know, looking back... Uh, how, what do you think about your time in college tennis? Would you recommend it as a pathway for those young pros who, you know, 17, 18 are trying to make that jump? Yes, 100%. I think there's a lot of different ways to go about it to where you can end up at the top level of tennis. But I think college is a great way to develop, develop your game. You'll have a lot of fun in college. It's not all about the tennis. You get to study, you get to be around a lot of other young people and yeah, I really enjoyed my time there, not just because of tennis, just also because of like just being around other young people. And yeah, I think it kind of uh, that's why I'm still excited to go out on court and play tennis because I just found yeah a lot of joy in playing tennis and being around other people that love doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that in mind, uh, our listeners know whenever we have a college tennis player on, I like to run them through a rapid fire segment because what our listeners realize, you know, in college tennis, as much time as you play, uh, spend playing matches, most of your time is spent with your teammates. So I have a series of questions to ask you about your teammates. Uh, You know, whichever name comes to mind, you can throw that player under the bus. Sound good? (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. Westoff, give me a rapid fire sound effect, please. Okay, the place we're going to start. Your favorite teammate to practice with during your time there? Konstantin Schmidt. <laughs> uh, your favorite to play doubles with? Joe. <laughs> the player most likely to hook you during practice? Ian Van Cott. <laughs> no question? No question. No. <laughs> like not, not just in practice, even matches. <laughs> <laughs> I like to hear it. All right, uh, the funniest member of your team? Probably Jao as well. The best to go out with? Tyler Sheik. <laughs> I won't ask you for those stories. I'll let you keep them PG. Um, all right, let's think. What else? Uh, I believe you know you were very close with your coach. What is the most annoying thing your coach did during your time at Tulane? Growing out his beard to where he looked like Santa Claus. <laughs> really? He did it every year? Uh, no, he, he did it my senior year. I think he said he'd grow it out until someone won a national championship so he got to shave it off to new york but that, it was very long yeah you're just like please um all right the the most difficult part of being a student athlete uh, time management i guess having to study and be ready for practice and yeah, just coordinate everything mm-hmm. flip side of that the most enjoyable part being around a lot of other young people. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. All right, obviously our listeners know Tulane. Uh, if our listeners don't know where Tulane is located, New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, New Orleans has a reputation on its own, but best part about living in New Orleans for four years? Uh, all the festivals that are going on pretty much every <laughs> weekend. 
Yeah. I mean, they say New Orleans is like nothing else. Is it true? Uh, it's Yeah, it's very different to all the other cities in the world. I think, like, coming from Germany, I was very shocked when I first got there. It was the <laughs> first time. I remember the first day going on campus and driving around the city. I just haven't seen something like that before. Yeah, it begs the question, how do you get to number one in the country when you're living in New Orleans? That's an achievement on its own. Mm, you just got to balance everything out. You got to work hard every day and just give 100% whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's social life, school, or you know, or going yeah. to practice, I'm down to give 100 percent on my social life in New Orleans. That sounds like <laughs> a fun time. Um, but I guess you know, moving on from that, you obviously now have been on the pro tour. I believe about three, uh, three full years. What was the hardest part transitioning from the top ranks of college where, you know, you're maybe not losing for three months at a time uh, versus going to the pro tour where week in, week out, you never know what you're going to face? Um, yeah, it's definitely a big adjustment just coming from college, not having to lose and knowing who you play every week and then playing a new tournament every week. And now I pretty much lose every week at some point, whether it's the <laughs> first round or in the finals or like maybe like once or twice a year you win a tournament so you don't lose the entire week but it's very rare so you gotta yeah, bounce back really quick and just get over your losses quickly in order to improve and get ready for the next week yeah although shout out to you you did not lose this week in making qualifying for the u.s open so always a victory <laughs> yeah. um yeah, for you in particular, I believe you, uh, you know, Jared Hiltzik at the time, but uh, Tim Smichek, there's a big group of you guys who train at Saddlebrook. I'm curious, what is it about the Saddlebrook scene that uh, you enjoy so much? I think it's a pretty small, small setup. There's not too many players, and there's always someone there to hit with, and it's not as giant as some other academies in the U.S. or other places, and that makes it pretty special, so... Everyone knows everyone, and you know we get along pretty well, so that's it's a lot of fun. Do do you feel that same camaraderie you felt training at Tulane when you're down in Saddlebrook? No, it's completely different. I mean, everyone does their own stuff. Everyone plays their own schedule, so there's always different guys there at different times, and yeah, you barely get to see someone for two weeks in a row because they're on the road all the time. But yeah. No, definitely. Well, then for you, you know, looking at, again, the end of the 2019 season, you talked about, you know, changing your schedule, trying to play more ATP-level events. But now that that top 100 is in your grasp, is that really the biggest goal, you know, moving forward for the next few months? Or is it still very process-oriented, you know, get my game better and worry about the results later? Yeah, I mean, the ranking will come eventually once I start winning matches, and that's what's happening right now. So I'm more focusing on the next match other than the ranking. I stopped looking at all the live rankings and every single stat I don't Rizzotina. So it helped me a little bit over the last couple of months just focusing on the matches. And, you know, I want to keep it going and then see where the ranking is going to end up at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely, and we look forward to doing it. Well, then, just a couple other questions, and I promise I'll let you go again. These are going to be more fun-based than serious. Uh, you big golfer? I play some golf, yeah, but over the last couple months, I've had some wrist injuries or, like, a little pain in my wrist, so I haven't done it too much. Word on the street, though, is that Ryan Williams, Smechek, that the Saddlebra- uh, Saddlebrook group, uh, they, they start to gamble on the golf course a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been around with them too much on the golf course, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. 
Yeah, that's the that's the word on the street. But then, all right, your favorite city in the world? Yawns. Ooh, the, good answer. The thing you are doing when you're not playing tennis? Watching YouTube videos. Oh, you're YouTube or Netflix guy? Oh, more YouTube than Netflix. I get really bored watching series or movies. Yeah, that's fair. Right, that makes sense. Are you do you watch tennis? Like when you're on YouTube, will you watch other people play, or are you just so done with the sport at that point? Mm, yeah, sometimes, but I try not to. Try to get away from it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, German tennis for you guys seems like more and more breaking through. Uh, Davis Cup dreams would that be you know great for you? Is that one of your goals? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd love to play for Germany, and yeah, hopefully one day you know, I will, I'll be able to. What have you thought of Struff this year? I think that guy, he can play. Yeah, he's a, if he's on fire, he's a, he's playing very well. He's very confident at the moment. He's had some great runs so far. And, yeah, hopefully he can keep it going for the rest of the year. And surely he'll be probably around top 20 pretty soon, I think, if he keeps playing like that. Yeah, I'm saying you guys, uh, Oscar, Rudolph, the Zverevs, obviously. It's got a nice little Davis Cup team for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean... I don't really know. I haven't really understood the new Davis Cup rules yet, how it works, but yeah, it'll definitely be fun to play for them. Yeah, you, me, and everyone. No idea how that works. I agree. Uh, you have a go-to warm-up song you listen to before on court? No, there's no routine. I I don't really listen to music before matches, so yeah. Go-to. Really. you got to have a pregame meal, though. Yeah, uh, rice and chicken, usually. <laughs> Pretty plain, yeah. Oh man! I, when you were back in New Orleans, were you a big beignets guy? I went to the Cafe du Monde several times. Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, I mean, chicken and rice. I, I, I'm hoping after qualifying, you at least juiced it up a little bit. Yeah, I had a donut today, so that, that'll be. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Well, again, and we'll end here because I want to be conscious of your time. For fans who may get the first opportunity to see you at this U.S. Open or who just aren't as familiar with your game, what do that you hope they take out of the experience of watching you play? I mean, I think I'm pretty intense on court, so it should be pretty exciting to watch me, whether it's cursing or getting angry or getting <laughs> pumped. Like, there's always something happening, I guess, on court, and, you know, I think that's the most, yeah, most obvious thing about me that I'm pretty emotional on court. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dominic, that part of that motion, that fire, is what makes it so fun to watch you play. Uh, congratulations again on qualifying uh, for these back to uh, these past two main draws, and good luck to you at the U.S. Open against Moon. All right, I know. Uh, speaking for the Crack Rackets community, we'll be rooting for you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, yeah of course. And take care.